Jesus is alive. So thankful for that. He is risen. Amen. It's worth celebrating. I'm so thankful that you guys are here with us. You guys that are joining us online, love having you as well. We're diving into the word of God. If you don't have a Bible, you should find one in front of you. I want you to be able to see the Bible for yourself. John chapter 11, you guys that are at home, get a phone out or your Bibles just so you can follow along John chapter 11. Now, it is Easter. I'm gonna ask you to be really bold and really brave. I need you, I'm gonna do a, a quick poll and that is this. It's one question, it's very simple. If you have ever gone through a really difficult time, really uh, maybe a time of pain or a time of hardship in your life, and you have said the words, I look back on that time, and while I would have never asked for that in my life, I'm so thankful because it changed me in a fundamental way. How many of you have ever had that experience, ever, right? Most of us have gone through some measures of hardship or difficulty or pain that in many ways define us. And we'll, we, we didn't want it and we wouldn't ask for it, but because it happened, it shifted something in us fundamentally. We couldn't control necessarily what was happening in that hour, but we look back and say, man, something unique happened. And so those are, those are we, we can thank, we feel thankful for those experiences, but those aren't things we would ever choose. And what I just want to say this morning is that this is what will separate us from Jesus. Because when we look at what Jesus did on the cross at Calvary, through the grave and out alive, what we'll get to see is that Jesus chose the pain and the rejection of the cross. It wasn't something that happened to him passively. He chose it so that we would forever have life. He entered into it fully and willingly because he knew what it would produce for everyone, for him, for us, for everyone. Listen to me very carefully. Easter is so incredibly intentional and so incredibly personal. It doesn't matter whether you've spent a lifetime in church. It doesn't matter if you've never been in church before in your life and you're here with us. It doesn't matter what your background is or where you're coming from. It doesn't matter what your belief system has been or, ever, or, or, or is today. What I can guarantee you is this. Easter is incredibly intentional. It's incredibly personal. Because Jesus did not enter into pain and suffering willy-nilly. He did it decisively so that he could tell you, son or daughter, rise up in the life that I have for you. I have more for you than you could possibly imagine for yourself. And you could stay on the outskirts and you can keep me at an arm's distance, but you need to know his death and burial and resurrection was personal for you, towards you, a calling of a people to himself. It was incredibly intentional. And so he knows what's going on in you, and he sees even those hard moments, those places of joy that we've had, those places of pain that we've walked through. He knows all of it, and he wants to enter into it and be with us there, to come into those moments and have some life to give to us. You know, listen, we are exactly one year into one of the craziest, darkest, most difficult moments in any of our lives. 
been such a crazy year and we can look and we're seeing a pandemic that's taken place and we have all this social and political unrest and it's all filled with angst and anger and there's shootings and racial strife and there's been massive work layoffs and lost income and school closings and on and on and on and we can look at all the things that have taken place over this last year. Inevitably, every one of us have been challenged in some ways through this season. It's been a challenging and difficult year for so many. So the question is this, how do we see this moment in time, this difficult moment that we've been trying to navigate through? How does Easter intersect with this very real, very difficult, and very painful, frustrating moment of time? And this is where we get to see that Jesus coming out of the grave takes every ounce of pain, every ounce of chaos, every ounce of hurt, and he turns it into glory. He turns it into good, and he brings life. Meaning, you can have some really rough circumstances going on in your life. In fact, you may have walked through some really painful and dark moments. But Jesus, because of his victory out of the grave, gives life to it. He gives and brings meaning and purpose. He gives his life. It's not just any life. He gives us his life. This is what he does. He doesn't stay on the outside. Jesus is ready to enter into the innermost places of our lives, to speak to pain and difficulty and hardship and all of the circumstances because he has glory and life to give from it. It's something that we can say out here and keep it ethereal, but he actually has things that he wants to bring to our lives. The point of Jesus coming off that cross and into the grave and out alive is to say, I have something for you. I have life for you. Doesn't matter what you're walking through. You might be on the mountaintop. You might be in what Psalm 23 calls the valley of the shadow of death, but I have life for you there. I lead my people. And so I want you to look at John chapter 11 because what we're gonna do is just quickly enter into this moment of pain where Jesus just in, in, very, in a very real and a very personal way walks into a moment of pain with his friends. Those, in fact, we'll see some of the people he was closest to and he enters into this moment. And I want us to see how he enters into this moment and how he brings life to it. John chapter 11, verse one. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So Lazarus is sick and his sisters are worried and they send for Jesus, jump to verse three. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. So we're getting insight. These are friends. These are close and near friends of Jesus. Now, every one of us has had this moment before you've gotten the call. You've gotten the call that uh, you were dreading before. The call that uh, you were having a, a good time, you may be celebrating, and then, and, and then something painful happened where you receive some bad news. Maybe someone you love very, uh, very much all of a sudden is sick. Maybe it was a cancer diagnosis. Maybe you have lost someone uh, due to COVID this year. Maybe you've experienced more relational strife this year than ever before. Or maybe you lost a job, but you got a call that was painful. We've had that. I, I lost my grandfather this past year. My wife, or the first year we moved here, she lost three of her grandparents in three months and then found out her dad had cancer. This happened right after we moved away from all of our family here to, to the promised land of Tennessee. And, and, 
and, and it didn't feel so, so promising. And we, were, we walked, we, oh, we've all had those moments where you get the call and, and not everything is okay. This is what's happened in this moment. And so Jesus is gonna make, he's gonna give a response to what is hard and difficult news. And I want you to look at what he says in verse four. He says, when Jesus heard, he says, listen, this illness does not lead to death. It's for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. So Jesus gives this, what he does is he makes this incredible promise. And he says, all right, there's this moment that's coming that's going to shine over all the others. That this awful thing that you don't wanna happen, God's gonna be glorified. That this hardship that's coming, listen to me and trust me in this, I have glory, I have something good for you to give to you. And so this is going, and what that means is this, of course, when God's, when it means, when, whenever the scripture's saying God will be glorified and magnified, what's implicitly being said is you're going to experience the greatest joy because where the glory of God is, the richest joy there is in this life. Wherever God's glory is manifested, wherever his goodness, wherever his person, whenever his personality, his heart, his mind, whenever they're shared and given and released, that's where the purest place of joy and peace actually is. And so this is what he says. Now, I'm going to sum up verses five, uh, uh, verses five through 14, because it's instead, of, instead of going right away, when Jesus finds out that Lazarus is sick, instead of going there immediately, he hangs back and he waits for a couple of days. This makes zero sense. If you find out that someone is sick and someone's asking you to come, why are you waiting? He doesn't go there to help Lazarus and everyone's freaking out a little bit. And when he finally decides that it's time to go, the disciples are going, hey, Jesus, if you go there right now, there are people that are ready to kill you. They'll stone you. This is a bad situation and it's not getting any better. And, but Jesus knows something. And so he responds to the disciples. And he says, there's a couple things you need to know. Number one is this. They're not gonna kill me in broad daylight because they know that it's not, it, it, it's, that it's not okay. But here's this, you need to understand something. Lazarus is dead. In fact, he says he falls asleep and they're, and they're going, well, maybe, maybe he'll, he'll recover. He says, you don't understand, he's dead. And so it feels so confusing. How is it that this painful moment, Jesus is saying God's gonna be glorified when it feels like the opposite thing is happening? That's where the rubber meets the road. I'm gonna come through and show you my glory, but listen to me. Your circumstances may not feel great in the moment. You might be walking through something really painful and really hard. And so there are these moments in life where it's easy to believe that God doesn't care. In fact, I, we probably all had moments that we could speak to where you were wondering, does God really care about me? And so Jesus says, let's go to the town. And Thomas uh, it's the same one that if you're familiar with the story, there's a disciple named Thomas and he says, he doesn't even believe after Jesus has risen. He says, unless I can see the scars, unless I touch the scars and say, I'm not going to believe this thing actually happened, which I think many of us can relate to. If we're going to be honest. Okay. If we can put down like church face for a minute, right? We're all going, I, and that sounds a little bit insane. And so I appreciate Thomas in his honesty because he gets real honest here. And so he, you can actually look at Thomas's response and he's like, well, uh, verse 16, uh, let's also go so we can just die with Jesus. And he's just kind of given up like, all right, we're gonna go here. There's people looking to kill him. We might as well die. I don't know. Anybody, you can relate to that a little bit? Like, okay, fine. All right, this is how this thing is gonna go. So Thomas is saying, hey, this thing's gonna end badly. All right. 
Now, I, don't, I won't even make you raise hands. How many of you have ever, ever been in that place where you're doubting? You've doubted God, right? We don't, it's 100%. If I made you raise your hands and you didn't raise your hand to call you a liar, and that's weird in church, all right? You wanna do that on the Easter Sunday? I don't wanna do that. Doubts are a real thing. They happen. Church has often shamed people for having doubts and trying to understand and, and understand things on a deeper level. But listen, Thomas is not really sure this thing's gonna work out. And we've all been in that place. We all experience doubt about God's goodness and whether he's actually gonna be able to come through. That's a normal human experience. And this is what puts us on this side. And it's what makes faith so beautiful and so rich where there's a turning of a heart that we can't do in, our, in and of ourselves. It takes the Holy Spirit of God to do some kind of turning of our heart. But we experience those doubts. And every one of us has had those moments where we wonder, where is God? If, if God is good, why is this bad thing happening? If God is so rich in mercy and grace and life and peace, then why are we walking through this? These are real questions we're supposed to actually be asking. We don't have to be afraid of those questions. Jesus is actually ready for that question. Not afraid of that at all. He wasn't afraid of Thomas going, well, I guess we have to go and die. He wasn't afraid of that. He was ready to go and enter right into it. And so Jesus finally comes and Martha rushes out to meet him. And, uh, but, but Mary, the, the, the one who literally washed Jesus' feet with her hair or anointed him with her hair, she doesn't even go out. Jesus is approaching and Martha runs out to meet him. Mary stays behind because she's feeling, I mean, you can sense and feel she's radically discouraged in this moment. If, you, if you'd gotten here earlier, things might've gone different. We've all had moments where we feel discouraged and we feel like God's not gonna come through. We've been there. In fact, you might even be there right now if we could be honest, right? Or you're feeling like, there are so many things going on and I can't change any of it. Feel like that? You ever been in that place? I'm always gonna feel alone or I'm always gonna feel depressed or I'm always gonna be stuck in this dead-end job or I'm never gonna have the marriage that I always wanted or I'm just kind of stuck, discouraged. This, these are the things, these ideas and thoughts go on in our head. It's easy to, to make everything look okay on Easter. Right? Everybody's... Dressed up beautiful. You guys look great, by the way. But inside, you, you feel like things are dying. You feel discouraged. And then, so you've got Mary discouraged and not even willing to run out to see Jesus. And then you've got Martha. And she's the one that's frustrated about the waiting. Because she's like, God, you, could you have sped up the process here? Because we have these moments where we're waiting to see God's answer. And it's not seeming to come. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever been in that place where you're praying your guts out. And you're going, God, are you going to show up at some point? And you feel like you're at the 12th hour and it's not working. And it's not coming. The answer's not there. Look at what she says in verse 21, John 11, verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd actually been here, my brother would not have died. So there's this beautiful faith here in this place where she's going, hey, listen, if you'd have shown up, this thing, couldn't, this thing wouldn't have happened. We gave you the heads up. So what's going on here? We can all relate to that, right? We've been hoping for a breakthrough. Maybe you've been hoping for a breakthrough in a marriage or a relationship or you're waiting for the right person to come along, right relationship to come along. You're praying for kids and nothing's happening. 
Maybe you're waiting on an adoption or you've been waiting on things in God and it's just not happening. And so we can imagine what it feels like for Martha in that moment. That's the waiting is incredibly painful, right? Waiting is hard. And we know, listen, especially in our culture, waiting is incredibly difficult, right? You're trying to shop online and it's not Amazon two-day shipping, right? You're not, you're, not, you're not even sure it's a real store on the internet. You're like, I'm not doing that. I'm not ordering from that. That's not too, it doesn't have the prime sticker. I'm not ordering that. You know what I'm talking about? There is no waiting in our culture. This is the reality. Waiting's hard. We think in the waiting that God's not there. Listen to me. God's in there. He's there. He's coming. But listen, the Lord loves you way too much. He loves you way too much to let you sit on easy street. He cares about your soul way too much. He wants to pull you and I into deeper levels of faith. Let me tell you, I don't know. It doesn't matter how long you have or have not been in church. Wherever you're at today, there are deeper levels of trust the Lord's bringing you into. And in those deeper levels of trust is more joy than you've ever had before. This is where the Lord's leading his people. It's what he's doing in our lives. Sometimes waiting is the worst but he's there in it. And you're asking God to maybe heal something in you. Maybe it's a physical ailment. You're asking God to restore some kind of relationship or do something and nothing seems to be happening and it feels maddening. And so you got doubts, you got discouragement, you're waiting on the Lord, you got all these things going on and you're going, God, where are you? Are you playing around with us? What are you doing? And I love, listen to me, what's one of the most important, I think, scriptures that you read through here in verse five? It just says this, Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Just says they just loved them. Just real explicit. It's not, you don't have to read under the text somehow. He just loves these people. These are some of his closest friends. This, mark my words, these are some of his closest friends in, in his entire life. In this beautiful moment, he's there. But there's something deeper he wants to do with his best friends. There's places deeper still he wants to go and to take them. And the Lord's saying, I love you and I'm for you and I'm with you in this thing. Church, you would say that to us, even here. Lord is saying to you right now, I love you and I am for you. I've come out of the grave to give you life. Will you trust me? Will you trust me? And so Martha says, again, 21, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But hear this, and I love this. But even now, I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. I, lo I love this little faith. I'm really disappointed in how this thing went. It didn't go the way that I had it in my mind, but I know that somehow you're able. This, this, this is a sweet faith. It's a rich faith. Jesus loves this faith. I want you to hear that. She's hurt, she's frustrated, but even now, even, there's that glimmer of hope and Jesus says to her, listen, your brother will rise again. Looks or not, your brother will rise again. And I love Martha's response because she does the church thing, which is, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. She's just pointing to uh, uh, the belief of the Pharisees where they, they're all talking about the resurrection of the just. And she goes, I, I, I get it, I understand. I guess we'll all kind of be there eventually. We'll get there. I get it, thanks, Lord. Listen, this is the moment. 
every one of us need to see and hear. Because she's going, yeah, I get it. Yeah, you're, all, you're good. It's great. Okay, we'll, we'll get there. And he says, no, you don't need to understand. I am the resurrection and the life. You don't understand. I want to make one thing clear. The resurrection is not just a historical event that took place. You need to hear this. The resurrection is a person. He is life, moving, speaking, shaping, creating, forming, healing, restoring, and bringing hope. This is what the resurrection is. It's not one moment in time, and I'm thrilled to be able to celebrate that with you guys today. I love being able to have people and to gather and say, Jesus is alive, and we believe in this moment, this historical event. But church, it's so much more than that. The resurrection is a person, and when he walks into the room, he changes things. The greatest experience that we can have and the hardest experiences that we can have in death and, and loss, when Jesus walks into the room, when the resurrection walks into the room, things change. When Jesus comes in, sin has to leave. When Jesus comes in, our unbelief starts to melt away. When Jesus comes in, supernatural peace floods us when we're in the valley. When Jesus walks in a room, mercy fills our hearts for those that have hated us or come against us. When Jesus comes in the room, forgiveness wells up against those that have hurt or wounded us or taken advantage of us, and then we live. There is life to be had with a person. It's not an inanimate object. It's not a religious system. It's a person. It's life. And he's bringing it to us and ready to give it to us, not just on Resurrection Sunday, but Monday morning. When it's time to step into, quote unquote, real life, into this weird pandemic world we've been a part of, God has life. When he walks into the room, he changes things. It's what he does. It's what he's doing. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, look at what he says. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he looks at Martha and he looks at us and he says, do you believe? Do you believe? You believe, you believe. Just like that little faith where you just go, even now, God, I know you can do something different in me. I know you can restore what's broken in my home. I know you can take the relationships that are wounded and heal. I know you can do works of restoration. I know you can give my heart forgiveness. I know you can make me whole and new. I know you can take this broken life and totally restore even now. And so the question is, what's the dead or dormant thing in you that God's ready to make alive? What's the place where we hold God at an arm's distance and say, mm, that sounds good but I don't know about me, the greatest lie ever told. That sounds great for everybody else in the room. I just don't know about me. You don't know me. Good news, Jesus knows you. And whatever you're bringing to the table, he's not afraid of. He's ready to come into it. Just what he does, he just enters right into it. So it makes him so good. 
So what's the thing that's been sitting dormant in you? Lazarus was in the grave for four days. Lazarus is dead four days. That's a bad situation. It seems like it's past the 11th hour, right? right? In fact, the King James Version says, uh, they said, like, surely he stinketh. <laughs> they were like, because he says, you got to open up the grave because he's going to come out alive. And they're like, that feels like a bad idea. <laughs> Jesus. I love that. When the resurrection walks into the room, whatever is dead has to come out of the tomb. That's, that's what we're talking about, a person here. He is life. And Jesus says, come out. Verse 43, Lazarus, come out. And guess what? He did. He came out. That's that voice crying to every one of us right now. Come out. There may be something dead in you and it feels really broken and the Lord's looking at you intently and personally and saying, come out. Your sin can be forgiven, not because you're good, but because he's good. You can be set free from whatever is pressing on you, not because you're strong, but because he's strong. You can feel his presence, not because we deserve it, but because he's just that good. Just ready to give his presence, his peace. The resurrection is not what he does. It's who he is. That's what he's ready to give. That's what this day is about. It's what we're here for. Jesus came and died and he rose again on the third day. And we know the how, but we don't know the why. That's what we have to answer this morning, every one of us, because we all know deep down inside Without Christ, we're all in a state of decaying. We all have that disease called sin, that massive vacuum created in us, a need for something beyond ourselves, and there's not enough dollars, and there's not enough promotions, and there's not enough relationships, and there's not enough kids and vacations and boats and all the things, all the things that are really great in this life, there's not enough of it to fill the hole. There's not enough of it. We're all in the tomb without Jesus. But Jesus turns graves into gardens. This is what he does. It's not just a song. It's who he is and it's what he does. And it's what he's just beckoning and calling us into. I love what he says in John 12. And I'll ask our team to come up. We'll finish this morning. John 12, 24. Jesus says this, it's actually after he's pulled Lazarus out of the grave, called him out, Lazarus comes out alive. He says, listen, truly I say to you, you need to hear this. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Uh, how many of you guys love Tennessee spring? Pretty amazing. Tennessee spring's awesome. All right, we're about to get to garden. My wife's already got all these cool plants ready, either planted or getting ready to plant. It's a cool time. And one of the most amazing things you'll ever see is you take this weird, what is effectively a dead seed and you put it in the dirt and then something comes out of it. Church creation is screaming the resurrection. It's saying, creation around us, the buds on the trees right now are screaming to you saying, what feels dead in you can be alive. God can make it alive. God can bring hope and joy and peace. Bring his truth in life. This is who he is and this is what he does. Whatever has been broken can be made new. Whatever's dead can be made alive. 
I'll finish with this text because I think it's helps sum this whole thing up and I'm gonna read it through and then we're just gonna pray and ask God to make us alive this morning. Ephesians 2, and we all were dead in the trespasses and our sins in which, in which we once walked following the course of this world like everybody else, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now working the sons of disobedience among whom we all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our sins and dead in our trespasses, what did he do? He made us alive. together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. And he raised us up with Jesus. Hear this. You've been raised up with him. You call on his name, seated with Jesus in heavenly places forever. What feels dead and broken, God makes alive. That's the, that's the message of the cross and the tomb and the resurrection. As he's ready to make us alive, I want you to stand with me. going to finish this morning in worship, but I just want you to, we're going to be honest with the Lord for just a moment and ask him to come and do. It's one thing to preach it. It's another thing to ask the Lord to come. And so would you just come with me in prayer? And if you, if you would just lock in with God for a moment. In fact, this, this is totally available to you. You may have never even been in church before or part of a church. This moment's for everyone. And I just want you to ask him, what is, the, what is the thing that's dead in me, God? Place of hurt, place of wounding that you wanna come and give your life to, make an exchange. Maybe it feels like the Lord was nowhere around. You were at the 11th hour and it didn't seem like he was showing up. And the Lord say, no, I'm, I'm fully here with you right now. Ask me. Ask me. What does the Lord want to make whole in you? To bring life to, to breathe into you. What is the place that you hold him at a distance? Because you're afraid he won't come through. You just be honest with him about it. I'm not gonna ask you to tell me. I'm just asking you to tell him. Just be honest. I'm gonna take an opportunity just to pray for a couple of people and then we're gonna worship. If you're here this morning and you just be honest, in your heart of hearts and you say, I feel like God is a million miles away and I've been far from him, but I don't wanna be far from him. And I just wanna ask Jesus to come near to me again. Or maybe I'm asking him to come near to me 
for the first time. When everyone's head bows, eyes closed, because this is just between you and the Lord. I'm not gonna ask you to come up here and talk to me, but an opportunity just to respond to the Lord and say, I, I have sensed distance from the Lord and I'm just asking God to close the gap and to meet me. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. Would you pray for me, Pastor? Just pray for me. Thank you. That's good. Also, if you're here this morning and you've been following the Lord, but you're asking him to do a new work in you. There's something that the Lord wants to revive, maybe a hunger for him, something fresh and something new, where he turns graves into gardens, things that seem dormant, and you're asking him to come and bring life. If that's you this morning. Would you just also just raise your hand and say, God, come and do this new work in me, fresh work over my life. It's good. That's it. Jesus, we're asking you to do what only you can do. No pastor, no person, no human being on this planet can do this. Only you can by your spirit. Would you come and revive and speak? Would you come near to any who are willing? In fact, your word says, if anyone is willing to knock at the door, you promise to open, answer, and receive. Thank you, Lord, that you come and meet us that even while we're a long ways off, you're the Father who runs out to meet us, to hold us and grab us. And you take the things that are broken and you make them alive. We thank you, God. Thank you for being here in this moment. Do something new and fresh, we ask. In Jesus' name, let's finish in worship this morning.